0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, it's Mark Graben here. Welcome to episode 405 of the podcast. It is March 12th, 2021. Normally, I would have released this episode next Wednesday, but I wanted to accelerate this episode a bit because we are doing this in advance of two um, opportunities sort of coming up um, right away. So first off, um, our guest is Deandra Wardell. You're going to learn more about her when we get started. You can find links to everything we talk about here, and you can learn more about Deandra and her work by going to leanblog.org 405. But I have two discount codes to offer you. First off is Katakon7, which is brought to us by our friends at Lean Frontiers. That is taking place next week. Deandre is going to be one of the two hosts for the virtual event, March 15th to 19th. You can register using code LF10, or that's LF10, to get 10% off. You can go um, to leanfrontiers.com slash katacon7. And then DeAndra is doing a workshop. On Saturday the 13th, she does more. She'll be doing more of these in the future. A workshop on visioning, as she uh, will talk about a little bit in the episode. The link to register is in the show notes, or again, go to leanblog.org/405. You can use code leanblog to get 20% off of her workshop, and it's only $75 to begin with. So, I hope you will check that out. Um, so, here is our episode with Deandra Wardell talking about um, what she describes as, uh, and others describe as being a quote unquote Kata geek. And so, again, I hope you'll check out KataCon 7. Thanks for listening. We're joined today by Deandra Wardell. Um, she describes herself on her LinkedIn page as uh, a visionary, a coach, a strategist, uh, a speaker a consultant, a kata geek, the leader of the hashtag Root Cause Racism Movement, and that she's passionate about developing a world of problem solvers. Now, I read that to you, knowing that all of those things are true from having gotten to know DeAndra over the past year. So I'm not afraid to say any of that. DeAndra, thank you for joining us. How are you?
1: I am well. Thank you for the invitation. It's great to be here. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks. And I'm glad we can have the conversation. You call yourself a kata Geek. I will do my best. We'll, we'll, we'll geek out together, though. How's that?
1: Oh, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs>
0: um, a little more about DeAndra. She is president and CEO of her own firm. You can learn more about DeAndra and her work at her website, DeAndraWardell.com. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. Uh, she started that last year. Um, if you are a listener to the Lean Whiskey podcast series that I normally do with Jamie Flinchbaugh. Deandra was a guest with the both of us um, late last year, episode 23. So this isn't the first podcast we've done together.
1: No, it's not. And speaking of which, that was so much fun and a perfect way to kick off the holidays. Just wanted to add Uh that.
0: Yeah, that was fun. And we won't talk about whiskey today, but just for background, um, Indianapolis is home for Deandra, the the office you see there is um, located uh, with our friends at Lean Frontiers. But you are from a prime bourbon place. If you want to tell the audience real quick,
1: absolutely. So home for me is Louisville, Kentucky. Although I was born in um, Compton, California, I grew up and was raised in Louisville, Kentucky. So. That is, um, Louisville is known, of course, for the Kentucky Derby and great bourbon. Yes.
0: And I learned something today. I, I knew you were from Louisville. I didn't know you were born in California. That's not too far from where I'm sitting right mm-hmm. now.
1: Yep, uh, California is my birthplace. lived there until I was a toddler. Small world. It is. It is.
0: As we've moved around, I'm glad we've um, crossed paths. And a couple other things coming up before we get into the conversation. Um, DeAndra has a role next week as one of uh, the hosts of the annual KataCon event. This is KataCon 7, March 15th to 19th. You can still register. They're describing it. We're going to ask you to tell us more, DeAndra, a Pajama Pants
1: conference. Right? Ab- absolutely. So um, it, it is going to be so much fun. Um, what I appreciate about it being referred to as a Pajama Pants conference is, of course, this will be our first time gathering virtually. And um, we want people to still have that connection, uh, the opportunity to network, have fun, of course, learn, uh, but in a really relaxed environment. And so um, the the folks at Lean Frontiers uh, are some true marketing geniuses and, and coming up with the whole uh, pajama pant theme. And what is even really cool, um, I have my kind of geek button. Which has a flannel design in the background. So I, I've got to find pajama <laughs> pants to match my button for next week.
0: <laughs> that is clever of them. Um, the website, if people want to learn more and go and register, uh, leanfrontiers.com slash codicon 7 And a lot of that is, is—is do I have it right from what I've read? A lot of it is on demand.
1: Um, it, I, I know it will be, it, it, will, it will actually be live. Um, it will be hosted via Zoom, and in typical Katacon fashion, the presentations, uh, recordings of the presentations will be available afterwards, and then um, people are able to download the presentations in advance. Um, so all of that is available through the Lean Frontiers website, which you know, you'll know you share in the notes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So leanfrontiers.com slash Cotacon7. If people are concerned about schedule and timing, that's that's my concern too. Um, you can still get a lot of, out of it if you can't attend live. Uh, and then one other thing, and we'll we'll talk more about kata, and we'll probably come back to kata Khan, But one other thing I want to mention here is a webinar that Deandra is going to be presenting on March 24th. This is part of the Kinexus Continuous Improvement Webinar Series. You can register at slash webinars um, In a nutshell, what is the webinar going to be, Deandra?
1: So, in a nutshell, is kata in the community. There is a play on words there. Um, It will cover the basics of the Toyota kata for anyone who may be new um, or have recently started their journey and learning about the Toyota kata. So uh, it'll cover the four steps of the improvement kata. Um, I'll also share some things that I've learned as a result of being a member of the community. Um, One of the things um, that we practice and remind people is that you should have a coach and be a coach. And so I've really been fortunate to have been coached by um, some of the best um, among the Kata community. So I want to share some of those golden nuggets, not only from my experiences, mm-hmm. but of course, some takeaways from CataCon 7. And then the, the last part of that webinar is talking about how Kata plays well in the community and um, some of my own experiences, as well as other colleagues who have, you know, taken Kata to the streets. And so I'll uh, talk mm-hmm. about that in the webinar.
0: Well, great. Well, I look forward to that. And again, encourage people to register at slash webinars. And then, you know, one other, just to touch on briefly from the introductions, Yondra and I have had a chance um, to collaborate over the past year on a project. She's dubbed Root Cause Racism. So um, that's that's not our main topic for today, but I encourage you to go check out her website at www.rootcauseracism.com. Yes.
1: It's a lot of good so, stuff to yes. check out.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to check out. So we'll get into the conversation. You know, if I have one question on this podcast that I tend to ask everybody, and I'll, I'll ask you, DeAndra, how did you first get introduced to Lean? What was some of the timing and the context where you were working and how you learned about Lean or continuous improvement? Because I this predates... Tata being a popular phrase, right?
1: Right. So I was first introduced to lean continuous improvement. Officially, goodness, it's been more than twenty years ago. Yeah, more than twenty years ago. So like when I was a toddler. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was actually working at at the time. It was called Jable Global Services. It's an electronic repair company. And um, the site director at the time was a huge proponent and supporter of 5S and um, started, you know, he, he started us on our lean journey in introducing everyone throughout the warehouse and the office environment to 5S. And so typically, whenever there were any special projects, I would, and that's what this was labeled as at the time of special projects. Um, I was tapped on the shoulder um, to assist. And I just learned so much working with um, the gentleman's name is Scott Stevens. We're connected even now on LinkedIn. I learned so much from that experience and I I was bitten by the lean bug. And then as time progressed, I had um, I was introduced to Lean Six Sigma formally through uh, the training and certification programs that were offered. Um, at Jable, And so that's how I first got introduced. And then it it began to grow from there. Um, And one of my, and and I'd say I really got more involved, um, you know, of course, after receiving the certifications, but when I became the training manager for the site, um, a primary goal for myself, as well as the site director at that time, Mitch Lewis, it was really important for Every employee to be introduced to lean, and so although there was um, an online training module, we decided that um, to make it impactful and and to you know promote engagement that those modules will be transformed into classroom training and we rolled it out to the entire site um, so not only were we teaching the methodologies um, but showing people how to apply them in their workplace and The rest is history.
0: And you've done all kinds of things. When you talk about workplaces, you've worked in manufacturing, you've worked in other settings. What have you learned along the way in terms of similarities where you say, okay, yeah, lean is lean, kata is kata. Similarities, differences as you've navigated different organizations.
1: So, you know, um, and you're right, I've worked in a a number of organizations and, and different industries. So whether it's been banking, retail, manufacturing, uh, the nonprofit work, the, the one thing that remains consistent, it always goes back to the people mm-hmm. and it goes back to tapping into that creativity that is within everyone, uh, regardless of their title or their responsibilities, and recognizing that um, that creativity that lies within um, you know, getting people more engaged in the process, in the work, showing showing how what they do every day connects to the you know the objectives and the goals of the organization, and how they're a key part of that, and 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 making sure that you know people have the voice and and the the, the means to recommend ways to improve uh, improve a process mm-hmm. and to sustain those improvements. So, you know, just that that common theme, no matter if, you know, I've worked in industries or organizations where it's heavy lean, it was heavy Six Sigma, it was heavy lean and Six Sigma, or they were new <laughs> on their journey and they called it something different, but it always comes back to the people, um, developing people to improve processes, to satisfy customers.
0: Yeah, that's well said. And that's all, I think, kind of a, a good reply when somebody hits you up with the whole, um, the statement of, well, we, we don't make cars here. That was true at Jabel. That's true at Boeing for people who have worked there. That's true in healthcare. Cause it's not about building cars.
1: Yeah. And, and even, you know, Toyota talks about how it's not about, you know, building cars. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's engaging the team members to think and be creative and, and develop those skills and, and I think it's funny that you say that, that, you know, we're not building cars or this is not a manufacturing environment. Um, and it's because of that, you know, I've I've set it as my goal and mission to help show people how, you know, lean is everywhere. Continuous improvement is everywhere. And, and I've been very fortunate where I have I've, I've been able to to lead others in applying lean um, to different volunteer organizations. Um, you know, nonprofit organizations, uh, you know, companies that are heavy service, they don't deliver a product, and it still works. And why does it work? Because no matter where you are, there's some type of process that you're following, whether it's documented or based on tribal knowledge. There's always people. And at the end, you're trying to deliver a product or a service to whether it's a customer or the community that you service. So it all connects
0: and you know when you say lean is everywhere i mean just to explore that a little bit i mean lean can be anywhere but unfortunately there are too many organizations where they're not focused on people development they don't tap into the creativity of everybody in the workplace regardless of role or education level or other distinguishing factors so right there that's that's part of the opportunity to kind of to close some of the gap between the current state and the ideal that we would be shooting for, right?
1: Yeah, and you know what, Mark, I'm so glad you clarify that point because when I um, start talking about lean or continuous improvement with a fellow lean geek, you know, I'm, I'm calling yeah. you it, since we're <laughs> since we're geeking out today, and so yeah. you know, I'll, sometimes I'll look through things from a you know rose-colored glasses, and you know, I think about especially like um, you know some of the features that I do on Hi-Fi Friday you know one of the goals is to spotlight not only people who are in the continuous improvement or lean community who know the, the terms and things like that but those people who don't consider themselves to be a lean practitioner but they're looking for ways to continuously improve they're demonstrating respect for people and although they they may not know the exact terms or may not have a, a certification they're practicing lean and to your point you know those organizations and environments where you know, opportunities like that don't exist, it's, it, it, you know, the ideal state is that at some point that they will recognize and see the importance of incorporating lean as a part of their their business practices.
0: And I think, DeAndre, you're right to point out, um, yeah, that optimistic view of intuitive lean or things that remind you of lean where people um, from Different perspectives have similar ideas. Like some of these ideas are not exclusive um, to lean. They they go back millennia um, of, of of having a focus on developing people. There are plenty of organizations that do that without using lean terminology or saying they're inspir- inspired by Toyota. Um, there are organizations where there is a very strong, healthy, thankfully, respect for people. So there are different origins for that. So um, yeah, there's 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 that gap, but then there's also sometimes that nice discovery of okay, well this this seems like lean, whatever label we're going to put to it, it's good.
1: Right, right, yeah.
0: Um, so for those who aren't watching on on YouTube, you, you see she's Deandre has so many great pairs of glasses that she wears. These are not literally rose. No,
1: color. they're no, they're not literally <laughs> rose color. Not today. I, although I do have a pair of rose colored glasses, but that's a topic for another <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> we'll do a, a podcast about glasses. And fashion. Sometime. Yeah. It's a different, in, no, uh, different audience. But um, so when you talk about it, always going back to the people, um, if somebody were to ask you, DeAndre, from the context of lean and, and Kata and related frameworks, what does respect for people mean to you?
1: So, respect for people what that means to me um and and this ties into another aspect of 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 some of my work that's really important to me, and that's connecting people to their purpose so that they can achieve their goals and so what respect for people means is you know, just giving people, providing people a space and an opportunity where creativity can flourish, where they're allowed to experiment and test and try new things and not worry about fear of failure, recognizing that whatever whatever it is they want to pilot or whatever it is that they want to attempt, it's an opportunity for learning. And whenever there's that opportunity for learning and where creativity can be openly expressed, well, then that's an opportunity for a person to develop and, and become the best that they can be, not only in whatever role they hold in an organization, but in life. And what greater way to demonstrate respect for people than creating opportunities where a person can be the best that they possibly can be. Mm-hmm
0: that mean yeah the best they can be in their role and developing people and giving them skills that they can use to advance in their careers and do better things and 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 problem solving and and other lean methods really help equip somebody to be more successful wouldn't you say
1: absolutely and you know and, and if you look in in organizations where i have worked um oftentimes you know the challenge can be um you know finding the talent uh, when when there are these openings or opportunities for advancement. And so, you know, creating, you know, having a lean environment where respect for people is d- demonstrated, part of that is, you know, like you said, providing those educational opportunities, um, learning about lean, lean methodologies, lean principles, other tools, or what have you, so that that person can, can build their resume, so to speak. Um, So that when opportunities for advancement become available, they can be ready for it, Um, you know, helping to prepare people for succession planning or, you know, whatever it is that they aspire to do. But, you know, when you when you have those type of environments that look at continuously improving, you know, and and moving closer to that ideal state and involving people, um, all of that, all of that ties in and all of that works together and, you know, not only does it help the people who work w- within that company or organization, it, it's good for business. It's, it's good for the customers. You know, so it's, it's an opportunity to be a win-win for everyone.
0: And I think, yeah, lean provides a lot of win-win scenarios or allows us to break down what might have been perceived trade-offs. Um, people in manufacturing might say, well, uh, we can't afford better quality. Like, Well, it doesn't have to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um in healthcare people might say, well, there's gonna be a trade-off between patient safety and cost. I'm like, well, that's not really true
1: right.
0: either. And I think that's that's the beauty of this. It um it allows us to say and instead of or when we have these different goals. Exactly. So let's talk about um Toyota Kata. So I know you and others call yourselves kata geeks. I should have worn it. Um I have a t-shirt that says lean geek. Okay. So I don't mind um, the the to me the geek label. It's like okay, fine, I'll I'll embrace that. Um, so becoming a kata geek. I mean, got, I mean, we heard a little bit about your um, lean origin story, Deandra. What do you remember when you first heard about Toyota Kata? How did you really get pulled into into all of this?
1: Absolutely. So it was um, it was when I was. In the, the, the printing and paper industry, and, um, you know, one of the things that I commend, you know, anyone who, who grew up in the industry, they sometimes say that they have ink in their veins, um, <laughs> you know, it's that work is really looked at as an art form. And there's, a, of course, the creativity, but at times there can be some variation. And with that variation, it can lead to a number of opportunities for improvement. And so um, I remember at one point in time, I was working with some teams and they were having challenges, um, you know, with some of the variation that they were experiencing within the processes um, that, you know, caused a gap in terms of what the customer expected and what the customer received. And so at the time, um, I was responsible for continuous improvement for all of our sites in North America, Europe and Asia. And um, one of my team members, um, you know, avid reader, came across the book to the Toyota Kata, And um, his name is Mike Jones. And Mike said, Deandra, you have got to read this book. You know, a lot of what we've been talking about and applying, you know, lean to problem solving and developing people and, you know, addressing, you know, different challenges that we're seeing in the work the Toyota Kata addresses it and it's, it's in such a user-friendly way. It said, I really believe that the organization would embrace it. And I said, sure, I'll take, I'll check it out. So it was like a page turner. I could not put the mm-hmm. book down. And um, after that, you know, I had to learn more about it. So as it turned out, not too long after that, um, you know, as I was, you know, online, you know, learning as much as I could about, you know, Mike Rother and, and his work, um, I ran across an opportunity to register for um, KataCon. And that was my first KataCon. And just that experience of hearing people, how, how people in other companies had applied Kata when they had tried a number of other different methodologies that they try to introduce broadly across an organization. But the approach, that it was, you know, working on developing one learner at a time through one storyboard and just just how practical the steps were to addressing whatever issue, no matter the industry, I was just, I just became totally hooked. And then not only that at that first conic con is when I um, I had my first coach, Tracy Defoe, who I talk about often. And um, just the, the community in and of itself, people are, are so open to help one another. they're so you know eager to answer questions or provide whatever assistance. And I remember um, returning to the office after Conacon, like any question that I had, any information that I needed. I was just uh, it was just a phone call or an email away reaching out to anyone, including Mike Rother himself. And so um, just the way that that the community became interested in the work that I was doing with the company at the time and wanting to ensure that we were successful and and what it is that we were trying to accomplish. I, you know, I, I was sold after that. And so, you know, I, I've I've been through every online training, you know, the training that's offered by uh, Dr. Liker and, um, you know, began to follow Tilo Schwartz and his work. Um Dorsey Sherman, just a number of of great people, you know, Karen Ross, like I said, who just are so open to sharing information and being helpful to others. And in turn, you know, I was able to share that information um, with the organization where I was employed and And not only there, but um, different organizations where I volunteer. You know if, if we had a great challenge or some big aspiration that we were trying to reach, we were able to apply the steps the and accomplish it. And so, you know, and I, I often say that the kata changed my life because it really impacted how I operated as a manager. Um, although I, I felt like I was someone who was pretty open and, you know, very collaborative, I didn't realize how much of a micromanager I was until I introduced the kata even internally within my team. And you know the relationships that grew and the trust that grew as a result of practicing the Kata was amazing. I know I kind of talked a little long and answered that question, but no, I just get—I—I right. I, I really get excited. I'm really passionate about, um, you know, what it is the Kata can do. Um, yeah. As as a, and it's it's a game changer.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, don't apologize for having or sharing that passion. That's what. The podcast is about here for people to come and share
1: that. Okay, good. Good, good, good. With people.
0: Um, for, for those who are just listening and not watching, you know, when DeAndra says she couldn't put the book down, it's over her uh, shoulder. She doesn't let it get far
1: away. I do right? not. I do not. And I have let, you know, I will. I will let people borrow the book, but they have to like sign it out. There's this whole process they have to go through because <laughs> Mike has autographed the book and you mm. can't see it. But in front of the book, it's a mug, and it's the mug is from the five question coaching mm-hmm. card that's used as as a part of the improvement kata coaching kata. So yes, very very near and dear to my heart, and right over my shoulder, yes. in the background here.
0: <laughs> you are very trusting to lend out uh, that copy instead of having a second copy just for lending.
1: I, I, I know it was, but it was it was actually in the the last company where I worked. Um, it was um, a member of the IT department. And what I noticed about her is that how she operated, although she had not been formally introduced to lean, um, you know, she was operating in such a way that she demonstrated that she understood, you know, the principles or what have you. And so um, I I didn't talk about the kata openly because in that environment, they were relatively new on their continuous improvement journey. So I would drop little breadcrumbs here and there and she was just so <laughs> eager and um and and she was someone who was trusted and so i let her borrow the book and she returned it safe and sound so
0: <laughs> and hopefully they respect you enough to bring it back
1: oh absolutely absolutely
0: <laughs> um so i was wondering if you could elaborate a little Deandra, um, a little bit when you talked about how kata helped you be less of a micromanager. Can you kind of walk through a scenario, um, thinking back to a time where DeAndra 1.0 might have micromanaged and DeAndra 2.0 maybe utilized Kata and engaged people differently?
1: Absolutely. So DeAndra 1.0, I like that. Um, So DeAndra 1.0, during that phase, I felt like I had to have all the answers or I was failing my team. I was not a good leader. So if a member to my of my team came to me and asked a question, if I didn't immediately know the answer or if I couldn't give them direction or if we're working on a project if I didn't have a complete outline of what we should be doing step by step, I felt like I was failing them or overburdening them. And and so like I said, I perceived myself to be, you know, a very open, honest, easy to work with type of manager, mm-hmm. but I did not realize how much I was stifling the team and holding the team back. And um, the eye opener for me was, of course, after, you know, being exposed to the kata and early on when I started out as a learner and had my own storyboards and um, was really trying to and, you know, poor Tracy, she deserves an award because I already I always knew what I wanted to accomplish. You know, that whole discovery and the unknown, I didn't like being in that area. Mm -hmm. And so she would really have to work with me on not jumping ahead, but going through the steps um, and identifying my target condition. But early on as a learner and as a new coach, and I started out with coaching my team, I remember there was a project that the team was working on. And I said, you guys are empowered. You know, you're making the decisions. I'm I'm a resource. I'm here to help you out. And I remember early on, um, they drafted one of the team members to to come approach me and they said, you know, DeAndre, we, we before we get too far into this, we want to get your opinion on it. And I was like, you know, well, you guys are working on whatever you decide is fine. He was like, no, nope, nope, nope. We know how you are. You're a perfectionist. Ooh. We don't want to <laughs> get too far in. Just tell us how you want it. And oh, yeah. And I was like, that is not a good way to lead a team. And so, um, so that began to open my eyes. And even as you know, I started working with the team individually on their storyboards uh, or whatever target condition they were trying to reach with a, whatever they were trying, wanted to accomplish, if I thought I knew what the next step would be or if I thought I knew what the answer should be or what the answer was, I would bite my tongue. I w- did not want to impose that on them and interrupt their experience and interrupt their learning. And, and all the time, nine times out of nine, whatever step they took or whatever they planned to do or whatever idea they came up with was a hundred times better than what I had envisioned at the time. And so that freed me up to become DeAndre 2.0 and realize you don't have to have all the answers, and part of being a good leader is, you know, setting your team up so that they can be successful, that they can grow, that they can identify, you know, the solutions to whatever it is that they're trying to resolve, um, and and just coach them along the way, you know, to you know to reaching those points without giving them the answers, uh, or and or feeling like I had to have the answers, so. That's how I've evolved, and I would even say now, you know, I'm maybe even Deandre 4.0, because the (laughs) more I practice as a coach and even as a learner, I continue to evolve and have you know new epiphanies, you know, as to how all this works. Yeah, well,
0: that's why. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about continuous improvement, right? New version numbers, (laughs) new releases, absolutely. Um, you know, what you're describing there, I mean, sounds, you know, I mean, these are familiar organizational leadership dynamics. Like I think back to, you know, someone I've interviewed a number of times from a different context, um, Dr. John Toussaint Mm -hmm. tells a very similar story about his own evolution or transformation as a leader from shifting from what he called in a medicine context, being a white coat leader of being all knowing, all powerful, telling people what to do, but, you know, and, and, and having um, to evolve. And then, you know, the other part of the story is uh, familiar to where I think a, a leader or even leaders before you condition people to sometimes say, like, I, I had someone ask, it was an interesting question. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Sure. Um, you know, we talk about engaging people and involving them in improvement, whether that's using frameworks we label as Kaizen or Kata or A3 or whatever we call it. And, and somebody asks, well, what if your employees, what if people just say, no, I just want you to tell me what to do? And I think, well, they've been conditioned to feel that way or they've been conditioned. In in a way, it's easier when the boss just gives you the answer. And if they're wrong, you're like, oh, well, my boss stinks. And so, getting people out of that old dynamic um, can can be challenging um, what 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 are your thoughts on situations like that?
1: Yeah, you know i I have observed situations like that where you do have employees that say, "Well, just tell me." Mm-hmm. And it's because of previous experiences mm-hmm. where they may have tried to recommend something and it wasn't well received. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or um, you know, it, it it backfired on them in a sense. And so, you know, they don't want to invite another scenario like that. And so they just want to, you know, just let me do my work, just tell me how you want it done, so we don't have to have this back and forth and um without any disappointments. And 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 it's unfortunate, um it's unfortunate when there are situations. Um, then employees feel like, well, let me just do whatever it is you need to do to keep the peace and, and keep things moving so I can get back to work. Because when, it, when there comes a time when an employee reaches a stopping point or they, or they do have an issue uh, where they need to collaborate with their manager, how comfortable do they feel escalating that issue or just trying to find a workaround on their own? And I think that can lead to, um, you know, other potential problems even. Sure. When, when all, some all of kinds those, of problems. Oh yeah, all kinds of problems. Yeah, all kinds.
0: Because, like you said, um, a lot of times, most of the time, the people doing the work have a better understanding of the situation. They can develop better solutions. So when they fall back into that, "I, I, captain, I'll do whatever you say." I've seen in different workplaces that bad things happen, things that were preventable. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough to get people out of that. So we can think of like starter culture change or, you know, bringing it back to Kata, this idea of, um, a starter Kata, which I think is interesting to me. You, you point to that coffee cup, that cup that has those questions. And in a way, some people learning Kata might say, well, just tell me how to do Kata. Okay. The starter Kata is, serves that purpose. But my understanding of it is we're supposed to build, we can eventually move beyond the starter kata. We can evolve, adapt. What's your experience, Ben?
1: That's exactly it. So, you know, the starter kata provides the framework for the pattern or the behavior uh, that you're seeking to develop. And, you know, kata comes from, you know, that term comes from martial arts. It's not an acronym. And it's a way of doing. And, you know, for anyone who has, has practiced martial arts, you know, you th- there is a set form of, of how you do things. And then once it becomes routine or a habit, you can modify it. You know, even if you think about, you know, um, you know, someone who's learning to play an instrument, you know, they have to start out learning the basics. And then after you have the pattern pretty much set, then you can improvise and and add other elements to it. And the same is true with the startacata, you know. And 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 people feel weird. I I'm I can attest to this myself. Um I felt like I had to have the questions memorized. And so what would happen is I would go off script and and of course, you know, there's a, a framework and a guideline with the questions. There are times when you need to go deeper, but early on, I may have skipped a question. <laughs> You know, because I I wanted us you know to feel like oh I've got this, and thankfully you know I had a, a coach who was very patient and disciplined, and would say it's okay Deandra to read the questions as is. And as a matter of fact, as part of that startup kata, it teaches that have that card in your hand, read it verbatim, because it helps to start to develop that practice and get familiar with the steps. Uh, but what I I have experienced in those who I've coached. Um, and those who I've worked with, it becomes second nature. You know, you, you realize you're going through the steps um, without having to read or reference anything because it's become such a, a a pattern, a practice of what you learned and how you've applied it to a number of different situations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, one other thing I want to um, kind of pick your brain on here, DeAndra. So one thing, I, I enjoyed the webinar that you did. Recently, um, that was done through the Just in Time Cafe, and I'll I'll post a link to the recording of that in the show notes around um, visioning and strategic vision boards. And part of my reaction to it, and I obviously want you to elaborate on this, Um, I I, I was reminded of. There's a quote from uh, John Shook. Is it John Shook? No, it's Pascal Dennis. Pascal was former Toyota Canada. He's written great books, including. Lean production system, um, lean production simplified. I've heard Pascal say, you know, lean is not just a scavenger hunt for waste, and I think that's thought provoking because a lot of times, you know, there there is a lot of waste we can react to, we can solve problems, we can eliminate defects, but visioning comes at all this from I think a very different direction. So, can you tell the audience about? what you mean by visioning and strategic vision boards.
1: Sure. So in in that webinar, I I talked about visionary lean thinking. And, you know, at the the heart of lean thinking is about purpose and processes and people. And so, um, you know, this visionary lean thinking for me has evolved over time. And it's touched the different areas that I've worked in and things that I've focused on. So, um, you know, within any organization I've worked in, I've, I've either participated or led the, the strategic planning process. And that starts with the vision. And then um, even with the, um, the steps of the improvement kata, you know, we talk about the first step is the challenge and that's the direction or whatever it is that we wanna go in. And, and that, and if you think about that in terms of what you see in a, a working environment, um, where you start at first is the vision. You have to understand why are we in business? Why are we doing whatever it is that we need to do? And the between the, the lean thinking, the visionary aspect, the steps of the plan, do, check, act cycle, And then Toyota Kata, all of that connected for me um, the first time I participated in a vision board workshop. And as a facilitator was sharing the steps to building our vision board, what she was saying was coming in in one ear, but it was processing through my brain, um, you know, um, with strategic planning and the Kata and all of these other things, And then it came out in terms of like a strategic vision board. So with visionary lean thinking, it's really important to to grasp or understand that vision, that ultimate purpose. What is it, the, the big aspirational thing, and I'm doing air quotes here, that we want to accomplish either in a business environment or personally, you have to have, you know, you have to have. Um, line of sight towards whatever this ideal state is. But then the way our brain works, you know, if you think about this huge thing that you're trying to accomplish, it can be overwhelming. And I don't care who you are. It can just be overwhelming um, to where the brain starts to say, you know, can you do this? And it, it may trigger these different things that will hinder us to trying to figure out how do we even get started? And so that's where all of these aspects of lean, um, the plan, do, check, act cycle, and the kata come into play that, yes, we have this big aspirational or like the question that's asked um, in framing the challenge in the kata. wouldn't it be great? But then you step back and you look at the current condition, where are you now? Where are we now? And then we want to set a target. What is the next step, what's the smallest bite we can take out of this big elephant of a challenge of whatever it is that we want to accomplish? And, and the thing about it is, it's good to have that vision, like I said, so that we can have that picture of what it is that we want to accomplish, Well, we may not know the intricate steps that we need to take to get us there. And that's where lean thinking, lean methodology, lean principles, the steps of the kind of come into play because they help to provide that path and realizing it's not a straight path. It's not a smooth path. Um, but it, it provides that path of experimenting, of testing, trying, learning, doing and continuously doing that uh, to take you along the way to accomplish whatever that vision is.
0: Yeah, it's it's an emergent path. It's not a matter of uh, so I think there are parallels. I mean, I hear parallels in what you're describing between um, visionary lean thinking, strategic vision boards, you've got to be proactive, you've got to be aspirational, like, again, not just reactive. Um, there are parallel. and then the, this path, what uh, the knowledge threshold, is that the phrase that gets used a lot in the Kata speak?
1: That is so uh, the threshold of knowledge, you know, that, that point of, you know, where you don't know what's next, you've reached that, at that point, where it's beyond your experiences. This is something you haven't done before. Um, You know, some people refer to it even, this is unknown territory for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think the one other parallel, you know, I've I've interviewed a number of people on this podcast, including Eric Reese, about what they call the lean startup. Mm -hmm. And lean startup kind of flies in the face of the old entrepreneurial venture capital approach was to ask every entrepreneur to develop, you know, a five-year business plan. Like, well, I think even the communists have stopped doing five year plans. Like nobody has a crystal ball. So lean startup is really, you know, I think more about having a vision, having an aspiration, and then figuring out what are the small steps we can do to test our product market fit, to test our business model, to try to validate it. And so I imagine, you know, whether whether you're calling it lean startup or cotter or what have you, you know, you, DeAndre, as an entrepreneur are probably looking at the same thing. What is your vision for for yourself and your company? Your crystal ball doesn't go out five years, I'm sure. No offense, right? Uh, uh, None, (laughs)
1: listen, listen. absolutely none taken. Because when I, and and it's so funny, and and that's the whole thing. It's great to have that vision because, like I said, that connects you with your purpose of why you're in business or why it is you want to do whatever you want to do. But with that strategy and execution, the two need to connect. And so with that, um, you know, you talk about as an entrepreneur, and especially with 2020, who could have predicted all the things we experienced in 2020, (laughs) but who can predict what we're going to experience in any year? No one has a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the thing about having that vision is, you know, ultimately where it is you want to go or what it is you want to achieve. But as 2020 throws whatever curveballs at you, you may swerve a little bit, but you know that you're on a path. You know you'll overcome that hurdle, you'll dodge that curveball or whatever it is, but you're clear about the direction that you're heading. And that's another reason why during that visionary uh, lean thinking webinar, I talked about the connection with strategy and alignment, how you know even in businesses, we have these strategic plans, these big overarching, wouldn't it be great, you know, ideal states uh, for business? and these plans that we may set, a year or two years out or however long but how does that cascade throughout the organization and how does that translate to the employees with the work that they do every day um and 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 ensuring that they can clearly see how that connects to the big vision because that's is what helps to spark the creativity and helps to promote um you know the engagement and the buy-in from those who are doing the work because They see that the work they're doing, you know, the tactical day-to-day things along with the improvements, all connects with a vision. And, you know, and like I said, that doesn't only apply to work, it applies to personal. And even as an entrepreneur, you know, when I set out on this journey in September, you know, a a direction that I thought I would be going into, I've kind of turned the corner and and, and and dipped and made some other things. But ultimately my vision is, is to create a world of problem solvers. So the different things that I'm doing, although they may be changing, they're still aligned with that path of, you know, putting lean and continuous improvement and the cod in everyone's hands. Okay. Yeah.
0: So if you want to follow up and learn more about what Deandra um, is, is teaching and coaching people on, um, do check out that webinar from the JIT Cafe. And Deandra, you, you um, often run workshops if people want to take a deeper dive. So people can, can learn more about that at com. correct?
1: Correct, that is correct.
0: And so uh, last last segment here before um, we'll have to wrap up. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask you in advance, let, let's do more episodes as different topics come up over time, okay?
1: Deal. Deal. One?
0: Good. So when you talk about community, one community that um, DeAndra and I have both been a part of, we call it the Lean Communicators. Um, We have a website, leancommunicators.com, where you can find podcasts, including this one. You can find currently um, DeAndra's main form of uh, one of her forms of communicating is her YouTube channel. So that content is embedded in there. Um, Again, leancommunicators.com. The high five Friday videos. You know, tell the audience a little bit about that if they haven't seen these that you put out on Friday.
1: Sure. So I have to thank my good friend, another member of the Kata TDWI community, Panos EFSTA, for challenging me to start doing more videos because I was nervous about being in front of the camera. And so, um, I, so I started out doing these videos, and what I wanted to do was. Just give a high five to those people who are using Lean to make a difference, whether or not they were, you know, a member of the Lean community, a Lean practitioner, or if they were new on their journey. And um, what started out as a project has, I I absolutely enjoyed, is the highlight of the week. And so um, it's very quick videos, um, and it includes uh, more information about the person or the organization who is featured. I usually and um, also write a blog about them. um, Those blogs are available on my website, DeAntraWardell.com. But every week, it's an opportunity to point a light at someone who's doing Mm -hmm. really meaningful things um, where, you know, they may see it as something small, but it's having such a huge impact you know, in the in within manufacturing, outside of manufacturing, a number of different industries and in the community. And um I, I, I just have so much fun doing those videos and spotlighting the work of others.
0: Yeah. And uh, there may be a podcast in the future, or you've got different ideas. DeAndre often says, I've got ideas.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I have an idea. And I, I'm so torn. There's like, Eight different podcasts I want to do. <laughs> and that's, of course, it's not realistic. Wouldn't it be great if I could do eight podcasts? I don't know. But uh, for one, as a result of being a member of the Lean Communicators com- uh, community, and I see, you know, just all the education, the good information, the tools that you and so many others in that, that group share through your podcast, um, you know, I think potentially could this could Hi fi Friday evolve into a podcast where I would interview those guests and we can take, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, just, just learn more about what it is they're doing and how it is that they're applying lean or if they're new on their lean journey, what they're discovering that could potentially help someone else. I don't know, Mark, so much to think about. I'll probably have to do a kind of storyboard about it.
0: Yeah. Well, We'll keep talking about that and I'm sure there's going to be exciting things ahead. The other community I wanted to mention uh, is women in lean? and gosh, we should maybe we should get together a panel uh, of oh, yeah. some of the the members of women in lean and do an episode together. um in 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 a nutshell, what is the women in lean group? How can women who are listening uh, learn more?
1: Sure. So the women in lean group, which um, is is going into its second year, uh, was founded by um, Karen Ross, Dorsey Sherman, and Crystal Davis, all giants in in the field of lean. And, and it is just a place that there is, um, there is a group on, on LinkedIn, it's called Women in Lean, anyone who's interested in, in joining, you just search for it, and you join, and you're welcome. And it is a place uh, for women to come to learn, to share, to uh, support one another. It is a fabulous community, it, and, and there's so much I could say about it, but um, it's, you know, periodically, we've started doing these things uh, called interchanges. Um, That's something that started happening last year. And there are these online conferences, and you learn so much, you really, we really could, you know, you could take away a CEU credit from, from how much you learn. And, you know, the contribution is, you have to be willing to participate. So there was a number of people that do these really short presentations, or, you know, a topic review, and, um it's just a really great community for growth and learning um, yeah. for women in lean. Well, okay.
0: Well I hope people will check that out. And I apologize. I there's a scheduling error on my part, so we're a little squeezed on time. So I apologize to uh, to you for that, DeAndra. Um our guest has been DeAndra Wardell. And and just to recap a couple of things that sort are of coming up, Hoticon 7, March 15th to 19th, virtual. Pajama Pants event, you can go to uh, leanfrontiers.com slash KataCon7 to learn more about that. Um, Deandra is doing a webinar in the Kinexus series. I'll be hosting and moderating, but we're going to have uh, Deandra presenting about Kata in the community, March 24th. You can register for that, kinexus.com slash webinars. And even if you're listening to this after the 24th, you can find the recorded Webinar there or on our YouTube channel for Kinexis. And Deandra's websites are rootcauseracism.com and Deandra Wardell.com. So, Deandra, I'm really glad we could do this. If I'd said, wouldn't it be great if I could have Deandra on the podcast? Well, here we have.
1: Here we have it. So, again, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun, Mark. It's always great to talk with you. Well, likewise. Thanks for doing this.
0: Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.